and welcome to the Challenging Your Health Mindset. This is a podcast being sponsored by the Student Health Center and Wellness Initiatives Department. And welcome back. It's good to have my good friend, mentor, colleague, uh, the provost of Liberty University. Very humbling. Uh, (laughs) Come on. Dr. Scott Hicks is here with us today. And we're talking about intellectual wellness. It's one of the dimensions of wellness. And our uh, purpose is to provide insights and encouragement to the LU student body as they are graduating. They're leaving Liberty and entering the workforce. Dr. Hicks, before we get started with questions, can you tell me a little bit about yourself or tell our listeners a little bit about you? Oh, my goodness. Um, I always start that, you know, I was born at a very early age. That's the first thing. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I'm from Georgia, and English is my second language. That's the second thing. Uh, So only those from Georgia can really follow the accent. Yeah, yeah. uh, Especially on video. But, no, I I am a, uh, a Liberty grad. Um, A two-time Liberty grad, and I met my wife here, uh, which uh, is probably... spring? Yes, sir. was my greatest accomplishment. (laughs) Uh, May not have been hers, but it's my greatest accomplishment. That's right. right. And um, before before coming to Liberty, I I just came out of high school in Georgia, like any other kid, played high school sports, grew up in a Christian home, uh, was saved when I was eight. Amen. Uh, wasn't planning on coming to Liberty, and somebody said, hey, you need to check this school out. So I did at the last minute, showed up sight unseen, and Liberty truly changed the trajectory of my life. Uh, I was talking with someone last night coming out of an event about just how grateful I am for the opportunities that I've been afforded uh, because of God bringing me here and and pouring into me. Uh, Left Liberty, got married. Uh, went into the workforce, uh, uh, came out of a family business, mm-hmm. went into the oil business, uh, working in a big company, and just rocketed to the top uh, all the time being married to my lovely wife. And then Amen. we, uh, when we moved back here, uh, we had our daughter, uh, Evie, so Evangeline yes. Grace. So Evie is the apple of my eye, and, uh, and just that's been it, and just investing in and my family, and then my extended family here, a lot of people don't know this, I think my family, I think we have about 12 or 13 kids now in my family, and they're all adopted Liberty kids outside wow. of my biological daughter. That's and good. so uh, I'm going to get to be a grandparent soon, I'm sure, from one of those <laughs> older kids. So yeah. Anyway, a little bit about me. Sure. Well, thank you. Um, I, I've been knowing you a while now, and I know you to be a godly man. I know you to be a no-nonsense, uh, very focused individual. I know you didn't start out that way. So my first question to you is, what advice would you give your 20-year-old self? Oh, my goodness. Well, a couple of things. Okay. Uh, so, especially young men, if you're the only one buying what you're selling, <laughs> you got a problem. Yeah, yeah. Right. And young ladies, they know what I'm talking about. Because when we want to go out on a date or something, we're always selling with our peacock feathers. But (laughs) once all the peacock feathers come down, the realness comes out, right? And all the baggage in the closet. So I would say that. And I would also say, I say this all the time, young men, you know, we're, have what we call, my mentor said, YDS disease. What's that? And that stands for young, dumb, and stupid. (laughs) So uh, 
my 20 year old self, I'd say you're probably not really going to mature. And it's true for young ladies mature a little bit faster, sure. maybe mm-hmm. by a couple of years. But you really don't mature out till you're in your early 30s. Oh, absolutely. And you start learning more more about yourself that you're not all that. Mm-hmm. You start learning that it's more important to know what you don't know instead of what you do know. Mm. And as you think you get that figured out, you begin to enter into your 40s and 50s. Right. And you realize that, you know, God's in, certainly in control. Yeah. And you're coming, you're getting closer to the finish line. Yeah. And it changes your whole perspective. So I think for the 20-year-old self, it would certainly be there's no greater privilege and honor than to be able to just serve God Mm. right where you are Mm. and that your mission is always right where you are. So don't overlook where you are trying to get somewhere else. And spend time. Redeem the time with your family. Mm. You know, that's something I think I failed at in my career early on. You know, I didn't have my daughter until I was in my 30s, early yeah. 30s. And um, she's only 12 now, and I'm an old man. Nah. Um, so, you know, if I had it to do over again, I would have started earlier on family. Sure. I would have had tons of kids. I love kids. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I, I agree with you on part of what you just said. I, I don't think I want a whole <laughs> ton of kids. But the Lord has gifted me. In that, um, by working here now, I've seen so many students come through here who are looking for a mentor or father figure, and it makes me appreciate what I do every day, and I'm sure that's the same way you feel. Magnified, Yeah, but no, I don't know. I mean, it's all relative at each level, and, you know, I don't think people really appreciate or know what all you do as well, Well, you know, at the university, and... You spend a lot of time with kids, and you care about them passionately, and you invest in them. It doesn't matter who they are or where they came from. So we're grateful. Well, we're grateful to be here together. My my next question, what is one skill or habit that you picked up in college that has transferred into your work life now? Oh, my goodness. Okay, so easy skill. Okay. I'm a keeper of list. So... You know, I keep little notebooks. If you generally see me, you'll see me with a notebook around, especially if I'm near the office, and you've seen me do that. Absolutely. And all I do is I keep a list. And sometimes I'll have to rewrite that list a few times a week. And you may Mm -hmm. say, well, that doesn't sound very efficient or effective from a guy that's big on that. But it reminds me of things I've not done. Mm -hmm. And I've learned, too, that I'll never complete the list. There's Mm -hmm. never enough time in a day to do it. That's good. Um, But without keeping that list with everything flying at me, and the decisions I have to make so quickly, Yes. there's no way I could do it or no way I could keep up with it. Um, so this something practical would be certainly be a keeper of a list. Sure. So what does having balanced intellectual wellness mean to you? I had to ask this, I think, earlier somebody was asking me that. What, what do you think of when you think of intellectual wellness? What does that mean? Just being um, smart about information, knowing how to manage data, mm-hmm. uh, using the wisdom of others mm-hmm. so I don't have to make the same mistakes that they've yeah. made. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I got you. So <clears throat> I think your last statement was very important because I use that all the time. Okay. You know, we need to surround ourselves with people who are much older than us, mm. not 
and we we tend to in our churches. You ever go to you know in your church? Oh yeah. You separate the youth, and and you separate the old people. So you separate the gray hair, mm-hmm. the white hair from mm-hmm. the black hair and the blonde hair. Yeah, you know right, what? I'm saying? Right. That's just foolish mm-hmm. to do such things, because we can learn so much from redeeming the time sure. with elders who have much wisdom. So and the reason why is what you were getting at is. Why do you want to step in the same mud hole someone else has already stepped in? Come on, yeah. So I'm a people watcher more than an avid reader. Mm. And, and a lot of people don't know that about me. But as a people watcher, I learn so much from what everybody does, their moves, their actions, how sure. they act, who they talk sure. with. And, and I learn, and I'm going, hey, I don't want to step in the same mud hole. I remember my two older brothers. I'm the last. I had two brothers. They're... Three years apart, we're all three years apart. Mm-hmm. Uh, family full of men. My mom had to put up with all of us. What a saint! Yeah. <laughs> but what I learned from them is I would see them get in trouble. Yeah. And I knew what a spanking looked like, and I knew my dad was about twice my size. Oh, and I yeah. thought I do not want to deal with whatever they're getting. Whatever they did. So that was the motivator. <laughs> yeah. Right. But <clears throat> I think that goes back though. Learn from others. Mm-hmm. Don't just listen. To what they say, sure. Hear what they say, sure. You know, most times we we start wanting to talk before we actually hear what somebody's saying, and and sometimes it's not just their their words or their mm-hmm. tone. At the heart of the matter is a matter of the heart, right? And try to understand the heart behind what they're saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, Colossians four six: Let your speech be seasoned with salt and full of grace, so you know how to answer each one. Well, God gave you two ears and one mouth so you could listen twice as much as you talk. Oh, come on, preacher. So I think if you, you know, for for me, uh, to be able to have a balanced intellectual wellness would be to surround yourself with people who have wisdom, who tell you the truth. You know, they'll say, hey, man, your breath stinks. Go take a mint. Yeah. You know? Right. Um, never turn down a mint. Never turn down a mint. That's right. a good one for everybody. Never. That's if right. somebody's giving you a mint, just say yes. yes. Sounds great. That was a reason. Um and then I would say, you know, as you spend time in the Bible, mm-hmm. God will reveal himself to you. That's God talking to you. Mm. And one way to, that I read the Bible is I'll take verses and I'll make it about me. Mm. You know, Scott, you do okay. this. Or, Scott, I did this for you. Mm. Personalized. It becomes personalized and you're having a personal conversation yeah, with good. him. Um and then be careful of the things you listen to, like on the radio and media. <laughs> you know, I work in a place where I certainly, and have a position where I certainly understand fake news. And it, it exists. Sure it does. Um, and so be careful what you hear there and protect your ears and your eyes. Mm. Um, and then I would also say uh in the things that you read, some of the best reading you can use in a balanced intellectual thinking hmm. would be read children's books. Oh, wow. Why, why children? I'm a big reader of children's books. Okay. I love them. Because in children's books, you have the simplest of lessons mm-hmm. that can be applied to any situation in your life. Yeah, principle-based. And they just really are. They're very simple. And you can go read all the self-help books you want, but if you just go back and read some of those children's books... You're like, man, that was simple. What an idiot am I? You know? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah that's the way, the way I'd approach it. So, since we both work in uh, the world of academia, um, what is your advice as our listeners, most are college students, how to 
balance the rigor of obtaining a degree and uh, their time or their their leisure? How do they balance that? What advice would you give? Well, you should be working. Most students are afraid to fail. Wow. Okay. Right? We see that in our classes. Mm -hmm. And outside of school, we're afraid to fail. Yeah. And what you need to understand is failure is the greatest educator. Mm -hmm. I didn't say it was the most fun educator. Yeah. Or the easiest educator. You never forget your failures, do you? No. When you, you look don't. the man in the mirror and you got to shave, those thoughts start going through your mind of what Absolutely. you did when you were this age or that age or whatever, and you're dealing with that. Mm -hmm. And Satan would like to use that against you. But when you lean into God, it's through those struggles that, that he gets stronger again. Mm -hmm. Um I think that you have to, uh, you, you really need to approach your academics in such a way, in such a way that it's, this is the way, way to describe it, that you have a job this week. Okay. And that in that job you have this week, your family needs to get fed at the end of the week. Mm. And you're trying to make all the ends meet. That's good. And there's no room for failure. Okay. Right? In right, the, right. I mean, right. there's not. So we really need God to get through that. Yeah. So to balance that out, yeah, when you come to class, come to class in such a way that you're prepared, you're fully invested. You control your education, not mm. the professor. That's right. That's right. That you're fully prepared, you're engaging, you're asking tough questions. And that you're not not afraid to fail, yeah. because you're in a controlled environment, mm -hmm. that's and true. that's the best place to fail. That's true. We'll come alongside and help you pick up the pieces. Nobody yeah. knows about it. But when you're out there in life, and the family's got to get fed in the way, there's no room for that. There's no room. So while you're here, I would say this: work like you're completely broke. Live like you're completely <laughs> broke. Work as hard as you can, like you got to feed your family at the end of the week. But also it's okay to be youthful. Yeah. It's okay to have fun. Yeah. And find time to do that and balance that out. But to do all of that, it's got to begin with God. Yeah. And we all fail at it. The number one thing we could do for each other is pray, and we fail at it miserably. Yeah. So we should be praying. We should be reading our Bibles. We should be obedient in that. We should be coming together and fellowshipping together. I think all that will lead to a very healthy, balanced academic work if you will, life, yeah. private life, sure. family life. Sure. Uh, it's just got to have a healthy balance. Man, no wonder you're at the helm of all of this. It, uh, as we are in student development, right, and intellectual wellness is what we're talking about today, and we're talking about how we can provide insights and encouragement to the student body as they're graduating. We're coming up into the commencement season, and I'm so glad to have some good news about commencement where we can celebrate the, um, the culmination of years of investment into intellectual growth of our students. Uh, just to move away from that for a moment, what is the most inspiring book that you've read? Uh, okay, outside the Bible, right? Outside of the Bible, because yeah, I know you that's can't the, trump the Bible. transformative, yes. but inspiring. Um, so for all our business students out there, you know, uh, Jim Collins, mm -hmm. uh, good to great, is a 
is a good one. It helps keep oh, things yeah. into perspective. But the most inspiring book that I've ever read, my wife gave it to me. She gave it to me at Easter. We were here as students. She knew I collected children's books. Mm-hmm. Uh, is The Three Trees. Wow. And uh, if you've not read The Three Trees, go out and probably get it relatively inexpensively. Yeah. I won't I won't rob you of the storyline, <laughs> but it's just a beautiful story of our humanity. That's good. And so when you when you keep that into perspective every day, so when you go read it, it it'll speak to you yeah. and how God will use you. Mm. You know, uh, I wasn't prepared to say this, but you it just sparked an idea. <clears throat> uh, Celebration of Discipline by uh, Richard Foster has transformed my life. That's my personal go-to book uh, outside of the Bible. And it's just a celebration of spiritual disciplines. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I'll give you a book, too, for, for the audience that I think is probably sure. really good. And it's good at any age. Okay. And you could probably find this book out there for 2 or $3 now, something like that, online. And you will remember this book. Uh, when I was here, I was an RA, Okay. you know, for my last couple of years. And um, we, all the RAs, we had this book, Search for Significance. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Everybody needs to read Search for Significance. I would agree. And it's really short. So if you're not a reader, <laughs> in a matter of minutes, you're going to be done with this sure, deal. Sure, But it is a wonderful, practical, little inspiring tool about where we place our significance in That's life. Good. Mm-hmm. And um, if you misplace your significance, at the end of the day, is emptiness. It's empty. That's it. So, yep. so what has been the most impactful moment in your career here at Liberty University? Let me go back first. Okay. Maybe in maybe in my whole career, the most impactful moment is I had a phenomenal mentor who, when I entered the oil business, who had the frontalobian thinking of the Apostle Paul. <laughs> okay. He probably had the temper and the mouth of Simon Peter. Oh, wow. A great mix. <laughs> a great mix. So he's always outsmarting you, and he was right. tough. <laughs> he was tough. tough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, but I remember one day I had this VP, and I just come into the company he he he's a little passive aggressive and done some things and, and i and i was ready for him this time <laughs> you know and i was going to crush him oh, i'm just this dumb kid waiting. and so i was getting ready to light him up over a, on a speaker phone mm. and just as i started to let it fly mm-hmm. my boss on the other end of the line who okay. was on the in the room with that guy mm. says scott i'll be over in just a minute Oh, my goodness. And we went back to the warehouse. It's like going to the woodshed. Uh-huh. Okay? Yeah, right, right. And he helped me understand the birds and the bees business. <laughs> and But what really came out of that, and he and I are dear friends. Okay. Now, what came out of that was it was so impactful for me as a young man because it was, it was an attack on me and my pride that this guy, mm. you know, my personality. Yep. And, yep, yep. And really what my mentor was trying to say is, Scott, the only thing that matters here is God. And I'm not even in a I'm not even in a company that's a you know a Christian company yeah, that's right, secular. Right. But he, he said, and I expect better of you. And give up yourself, less of you and more of him. Wow. And when people are ugly, they'll they'll get their day. They'll get it. It's not your job hmm. to do that for them. So I think that was the most impactful moment there. And the most impactful here. Um, 
as I recall early on, I was here probably on my sixth or seventh day at Liberty. I was in a little office doing a little bit of teaching. Oh. Um, people, a lot of students will know my background because I was the new guy, you know. Sure, sure. And a young man came to visit me. And, you know, you know I'm not shy. Right. And the young <laughs> right. man comes to the door and he has this big grin and my wife introduces him to me. And... He's swab and devonair, and he's a oh, great yeah. salesman. Yeah, yeah. And he said, "Would you? I'd like to spend some time with you, and I'd like you to be my mentor." That's not how you become someone's mentor. You build a friendship, <laughs> right. right? Relationship. And he's a tall, just wonderful guy. He's one of our kids now. Okay. And I said, uh, "Come over here and have a seat." I didn't even crack a smile. You oh. know, I knew what I was doing. And he says, he sits down. I said, "Listen here." I said, "Bud, you're just a two-dollar used car salesman." Ouch. And and he needed to hear that. He needed that punch in the face. And yeah. the women that see this, they know what I'm talking about. They see that in you guys. They know yeah. you. They can read yeah, you. Yeah, they can smell it. And so, uh, we, had, you know, he was skittish. He's ready to get out of that office. And he came <laughs> back somewhere around November after one of the breaks. He comes up to my door. He says, Professor Hicks, he says, I need to talk to you. <laughs> He's going to give it to me. And I said, what do you want? You know, just kind of smile. Right. And he said, uh, he said, I want you to know something. I went home and told my mother what you said. I said, and? And he said, and she said you were right. Wow. <laughs> wow. So the impactful moment there is don't be afraid to take some chances. Yeah. Because I'll tell you, had I not taken that chance, that was a huge risk for me. Sure. And for him. But had we not taken that chance together and that opportunity and that calling of God to say, Scott, you need to say something to this young man. Mm. Um, he and I wouldn't be as close as we are today. That's good. And he wouldn't have the impact on my life that he's had. He doesn't even know the impact he's had. Yeah. And I don't think I would have had the small impact. Mm. So it's taking advantage. So the moral of the story is, share two stories, two different industries. The moral of the story is, take advantage of salient moments. Mm. That's good. And when they're in front of you, capitalize. Right. 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 Don't do it pridefully. Capitalize for him. That's good. That's good. So as the provost, you have to manage your time well. Uh, what are your recommendations for our listeners about time management? How important is it and how do you get it done? Okay. It's extremely important. You, what I've learned as I get older, and you do this, we are going to fill up every second of our day with something. Absolutely. It doesn't matter. We could say we're going to sit at home and do nothing today, but nothing is something. something. We will find mm -hmm. something to get into. Mm -hmm. And remember this, idle hands, not a good thing. No. Right? No. You get in trouble. doesn't matter who you are. Yeah. So stay busy, right? Mm -hmm. Busy doing his work. If you get busy doing other things, then the saying, beware the bareness of a busy life comes into play, right? Yes. You fill it up so much that there's no room for God. And time management is important because my wife does it. She has this little jar, had one in her office, and it's not unique to her. You can mm -hmm. go out there and look it up online. But if I take this bottle, per se, sure. and we fill this bottle with these big rocks, mm -hmm. is the bottle full? No. If Then if I pour pebbles into it, is right. the bottle full? Not yet. Then if I put sand in it and shake it up, is the bottle full? It's getting there. If I put water in it with all that, now it's a bottle no, full. It's, full. it's pretty full, it's right? Full. Yeah. So the point is, is if I fill it full of water first, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
and then I drop in the big big rocks, what happens to the water? Splash. Yeah. If I fill it full of sand first, do I ever have room for the big rocks? Mm -mm. So think of the big rocks now as plates. Yeah. So we're juggling all of these plates. Yeah. Don't drop the plate of God. <laughs> the big, right. Don't drop the plate of family. Yeah, that's good. You see what I'm going to yeah. do? Things are more important. So mm -hmm. you've got to be able to manage your time. You know, it's nothing to be here when it's dark in the morning and to leave when it's dark in the evening. And, and we enjoy it. We're passionate Absolutely. about it. Right. We're built to work. So we find joy in our work. Yeah. Right. If we're working for him. So yeah. work for him. Let man get the reciprocal of that service. Amen. Serve him. Let your wife get the reciprocal of that service That's or it. your husband or so on. That's really important, but to do it, you've got to manage time well. You have to. Because everybody wants a piece of your time. Mm. And good. remember this, too. We're depraved. Yeah. And we're selfish. Yeah. So in, as you move up in leadership, more people will come to you, and they always want something. Mm. And you're always giving something. Isn't that the truth? So people have an unlimited set of needs, wants, and desires, and you'll never have enough time to fill it all. That's good. Only God can do that. That's so don't be God. There you go. Man, uh, uh, I wish you had told me that at my 20-year-old self. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I'd have heard that too. <laughs> yeah. So um, I'm, I'm so glad to be with you, Dr. Hicks, and talking about our intellectual wellness and challenging our mindset with the provost. Um, my next question for you, what are tangible steps listeners can take if they desire to grow in leadership and climb the ladder in their career? What, what is practical well, That is steps? a segue. I didn't plan that. So <laughs> out of the last one, you know how you're selfish. Yeah. Um, being selfish is not a good thing. Mm. Uh, that's your pride in the way. That's your arrogance in the way. Mm. That's when, when um, uh, that's when the free market in business goes wrong because of selfishness. Yep, yep. But having self-interest, there's nothing wrong with that. Mm. You know, if I don't take care of my temple, I'll never be able to serve my wife or my daughter because I'll be dead. Right, right. Right, so there's a difference. And then once you've done that, now you've got to serve others with what, you, what you've been given. That's don't be good. selfish with it. That's good. And so I think if you, I don't know that it's as much as climbing a ladder. If you, if you set out to climb a ladder, all you're going to do is climb a ladder. Right. And miss That's moments. not what leadership is. Most That's like that young man I was talking about. Sure. You, you know, your significance is wrong. You're, yeah. you're performing for something at the end of that is empty. My, my. That's so, good. So how do you serve God? And through serving God, you'll serve others because mm -hmm. everybody has an unlimited set of needs, wants, and desires. Yeah, right. So just serve them. And when it hurts, keep serving. Mm. And then when it hurts again, keep serving. And, you know, Jerry Falwell would say, never, ever, ever quit. And that's yeah. what he's referring to. That's right. Because you got to run from self, <laughs> self-worship, right. to worship him, and then to be able to love others and serve them. Because not everybody is self-interested. They could be selfish, Ooh. right? So meet them where they are, not where you are. The mission is always right where you are, remember? Meet yeah. them where they are, yeah. serve them, and through serving them, what do they do? They start saying, hey, that person's a go-to person. Yep. How can, I, how, can, how can I get this project done? I bet they know somebody. I bet yeah. the next thing you do, find out, is 
nobody ever appointed you into a leadership position. Yeah. It was the people around you that said, that's a leader. Yep. Right? And it happens naturally. And leadership is nothing more than being the greatest, I'll get emotional about it, yeah. the greatest servant that you can try to be at that moment. Amen. And you will fail at it every step of the way. But only through him is there enough grace and mercy to pull it off. Amen. So I um there was something I, I just jotted a note down so I could remember it. Um my dad taught me, he said, seek to be remembered and not seek to be well known. Mm-hmm. You know, make every encounter matter. Make every moment matter. Don't overlook the people in the moment. That's right. You know? And so I, I think that's worked well for me. Uh, very modest, modest uh, upbringing and beginnings, you know. First generation college graduate, and and my parents they would they wouldn't tolerate foolishness of being selfish. Yeah, yeah. God used you in an amazing way when mm-hmm. you when you understand that and you have that blessing upon you to know that you're uniquely His and that's all that matters. Mm-hmm. You know when you talk about you know the selfishness, um, you ever do something really good for someone? Mm-hmm. And when you did it, how'd you feel? Oh, gratification. Yeah, you feel joy. Yeah. Right. And then as soon as you did it, did you ever go in the closet and do this? And give yourself a little pat pat on the back? But sometimes we have, hadn't we? In in a moment? Sure. In a split second, and then you're like, no, no, no. No, 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 no. But in that moment, what you did is you just took from him what belongs to him. Glory. You're just a conduit for him. Mm. And you're there to serve him. Anything good's coming from him. Yeah. So in that moment, you became selfish again, just yeah. that fast. Sure. And something so beautiful that he gave you the joy sure, of being sure. part of. So that's how that's how easily selfishness creeps in. And that's where the fine thread and line of Jesus Christ and his blood and atonement come mm-hmm. in for us, right, when we're in those moments. Yeah. So run from yourself. And another one is when you think about Christ at the well, I mean, he could have followed the law. He could have been selfish about that. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he wasn't supposed to be there with that woman. She wasn't supposed to be there. She wasn't supposed to be there either. Right. They were there. Mm-hmm. And he paid attention in that moment. He made an investment. Yeah. And through that investment, we see a conversion where he basically tells her, I am. And if I were, I'm not a theologian or anything, but I think... That's the first time in the Bible he says, I am. Mm. If you go yeah, back and moment. read it. Yep. You know, he didn't say it quite the way, but you, you yeah. can read it. Oh, it's yeah. there. And so, you know, really serving others is what it's all about. So would it be um, safe to say that when you're looking for leadership and you're ready to select for different responsibilities what's the biggest characteristic that you're looking for Mm. Uh, I got to figure out a way to say this I don't (laughs) reveal who the people (laughs) are Um, so I was going through a tough day here we all have tough days right and I was going through a tough day and a 
a gentleman comes in who understands my world really well, mm-hmm. and uh, it's right here in the office, and he came in and sat down beside me about 6 o'clock in the evening. He reaches over and pats me on the arm, says, hey, bud, you look like you had a tough day, and I am just, just sat down in the chair and started texting, working on emails. And I said, yeah, I have. Uh, he said, well, I want you to keep going. Don't quit. Mm. He said, but I want you to know something. Um, and it's something he did. He was admitting he did something wrong mm-hmm. in his past. And he said, when I hired these people to be leaders, mm-hmm. I focused on them being intellectual. Mm-hmm. So he's talking about what's between the ears. Right, right, right. Now, and you got to have something between the ears. Mm-hmm. He said, but you don't do that. Hmm. He said, I've noticed when you hire people, you hire them for their heart mm-hmm. first. And I, and I never realized I did. I don't pay attention to that. Mm-hmm. I'm just doing what I know to do as best I know to do it. Yeah. You know that. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm yeah. Not, I don't have an answer for everything. And um, it was in that moment that I realized, truly, that I've said the saying for a long time, I didn't quite, at the heart of the matter is a matter of the heart. And when you hire somebody, or when you marry somebody, mm. or when you promote somebody to a position, they better have the right heart. Because no. it doesn't matter how smart they are. If they don't, there'll be misalignment, and the whole relationship will fall apart. And just It'll be a disaster, disaster. for both of you. Yeah. So find the people with the right heart. They certainly got to have a skill set. Get behind them. Get out of their way. Mm. Set them up for success. Give them the autonomy to do what they need to do. Don't micromanage them. And cheer them on. And when they do great, don't forget to say thank you. Yeah. Because if you're doing your job right, you're saying thank you, and you are working yourself out of a job every day, not into a job. That's good. I think the other thing I would say about hiring good leaders is they shouldn't be information hoarders. Mm. They should be information sharers. What do you mean by that? Um, a lot of people think that power and prestige is caught up in, I know something that nobody else knows, mm. and I'm going to hold on to that so tight. Kind of yeah. like the Hobbit, right? <laughs> so precious. Right, right. Um, no, that's not it. Mm. God gave you all that wisdom, and he sent you through those experiences and those failures in your life so that you could share and he could be revealed through his work in you. So it's still his love story in you. That's good. Wow. How would you encourage our listeners about uh, critically thinking through decisions? You know, this uh, generation is behind us. That's not one of their strongest uh, cohort suits. So how can we encourage critical thinking? Uh, There's something I used... um, Uh, in strategic policy and planning down in business. Mm -hmm. It's not unique to me. It was, it's about a gentleman named John Boyd. And uh, John Boyd basically flipped the Pentagon upside down. He helped design the F-16 and so on. Mm -hmm. Um, But John um, Boyd is known for the OODA loop. So observe, O-O-D-A, observe, orient, decide, and act. And that's what fighter pilots do all the time. If you yep. talk to a fighter pilot, that's what they'll tell you, the OODA loop. And that's mm-hmm. what he, he understood well. And he applied that to his business principles. That's good. So you're, you're always assessing, observing. You're orienting yourself to the situation. Yep. You're going to make a decision. You're going to act upon the decision. Mm-hmm. 
And then at the end, you know, we've, we've added one thing, then you're going to review, right? You're going to reflect upon it, and then you're going to start that process over. All over. But you got to remember, for a fighter pilot, you're moving at over 700 miles an hour, so it's happening yeah. real quickly. Well, that's a great way to critically think through things. And when you critically think, always ask God for wisdom that's beyond your years and a hedge of protection around you because as you gain more wisdom, you will need protection. Yes, you will. From the evil one, yes. you know. So critical thinking is extremely important. If you can't critically think, hmm. you, you, you're going to struggle, Yeah. especially in the business world. Yeah. So academic excellence and scholastic opportunities are important to keeping the university thriving. And as the provost, that's your responsibility. What, what could you tell our listeners uh, from a business standpoint, your efforts in overseeing us, staying vigilant to that? Uh, the efforts are easily defined. One, where's our significance? It lies in Christ. What does Christ demand? He demands excellence. Yes, it does. In serving Him. He, he has grace and mercy. He knows you're going to fail. Absolutely. Uh, and that's where His blood and atonement come in. Thank so God. when you understand that, you've got to serve. And then as you serve, you need to, you need to understand this. So one thing that I, I focused on at Liberty early on and in my earlier days, just running a project at the time, even before I was dean of the School of Business, was um, it's about customer centricity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And who is your customer? Right. Right, right now you're my customer sure. or a student's my customer or right. my wife or whatever. And so how do you serve that person right here, right now? But, you know, we, we, we get to work together. We're colleagues. We're teammates. Right. And you have skills I don't have and I have skills you don't have. And together, that's the body of Christ coming together, by the way. Amen. Right? And it's okay. It's, <laughs> it's more important to know what you don't know instead of what you do know. Amen. And being comfortable with that's that. That's right. That's right. But... Here's the thing that we do know, is everyone serves a customer at each and every level. Mm-hmm. You would be my internal customer. Sure. Um, and then I was able to get our thinking around culture from, well, faculty aren't our customers, they're internal customers. That's right. That's the administration's right. not our customer, they're our internal customers. Internal. Mm-hmm. And then you could argue, well, the school, the student's our customer, well, the student's not our customer, <laughs> they're an internal customer. Students are products and services right. that we add value to to send to market. Mm-hmm. And whoever's consuming, right. the wife, the husband, the kids, mm-hmm. see what I'm getting at? Yes. The church, the, the hospital, the bank, whatever it is, they're the consumer of the product mm-hmm. and the service that the student is going out to provide. That's a vastly different way of thinking. Oh, absolutely. And it, it really flips education upside down mm-hmm. because it changes the paradigm. And through sure. changing the paradigm, then there's no excuse for failure for delivering. Because now it doesn't matter what a what a magazine or somebody says about who we who we are sure. as liberty, mm-hmm. as the body of Christ. What it what it does is it says to the market, the market then defines who we are. Sure. And they say we want more of what you have to offer as a body of believers. Yeah. And then through that it's not by what you say, it's by what you do and how you perform that defines him in you. And then in the workplace, then people start asking questions. Why are you different? Yeah. Then you're able to share. And then people know they're the real deal. 
Yeah. So don't just talk about your faith. Walk out your faith through walking out your faith. You're working out your faith through working out your faith. You're worshiping in your faith. That's awesome. Period. Awesome. That's it. Listen, I, that, that one was so good. I want to drop the mic on that one. But I do want to afford you the opportunity to answer this question. If there were one thing, uh, because I want to have you back again, so I won't say your final thought. Okay. <laughs> if there's one thing you want to leave with our listeners today, an ch- impact or a challenge to our students mm-hmm. who are listening, what would that be? Um, the challenge would be this. Strive to have great humility, and through your humility, he will be strong. Yeah. You will be weak, and he will build you into exactly who he needs you to be for whatever season that at, that is to impact others in an amazing way. And I would also say this. Um, our founder is known for some great statements. Mm-hmm. Never, ever, ever quit. Yeah. But remember this, these are, I'm assuming they're unique to him, is nothing of eternal significance can be done apart from prayer. Outside of prayer, that's right. And so pray hard, read your Bible hard. Yeah. Love your family and your neighbor hard. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, it's all going to work out. That's it. Wow. Well, Dr. Hicks, thank you so much for making time for us today. Thank you for all of the gems that you uh, shared with us. Uh, next season, uh, we'll come back with a new set of questions, and we hope we could get a, uh, a part of your schedule so that you can continue pouring into the intellectual wellness and the balance for our students. Appreciate you. Thank you. It's an honor. Thank you. Bless Appreciate you. you.